It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this Friday, March 12th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Edwards versus Muhammad, which will take place tomorrow, Saturday, March 13th, at the UFC Apex in glorious Las Vegas, Nevada. And great to be back with you guys here. I think we might set a motherfucking North Star Sports world record here for the quickest preview show because my head is fucking absolutely pounding. But but we don't miss shows. We don't miss preview or recap shows. So, you know, we've, we've had this streak together ever since we started doing uh, the shows more frequently. So, I mean, honestly, we're almost coming up on a year. I think we started in like May. Uh, doing them every single week so you know I'm not gonna let a fucking headache I'm not gonna let a migraine stop me from doing it although you know my my, my head is feeling a little bit under the weather here so uh, I'm definitely not gonna drone on like I like I normally do so uh, yeah we'll, we'll pretty much get right into it here uh, obviously we have the main card showdown which is gonna take place tomorrow I believe it's NSS 32 uh, not quite sure. Probably me versus Peyton. Don't really know. See, that's the beauty of the main card showdown is you never really know who's going to face each other until 15 minutes before uh, the actual uh, main card because, you know, people don't get their picks in or or whatever. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll get my picks in. I'm the champ. That's all that matters. If it's Peyton, if it's Drew, if it's Reagan, you know, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, with that, we'll get right into this preview here, and we'll start with the prelim opener. It's going to be a welterweight bout between Jason Witt and Matthew Semmelsberger. Witt's going to be 18 and 6, Semmelsberger 7 and 2. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds, courtesy of Odds Shark, and they're going to have Jason Witt as the minus 105 favorite. Matthew Semmelsberger also as the minus 125 favorite. So. Again, I, I, I'm not quite too. I'm, I'm not too sure how that uh, works out, but uh, luckily I don't. I don't bet. I don't bet because uh, I like winning money, but I don't like losing money. So I don't. I don't bet my money. I, my money is just my money. I don't fucking. I don't want to buy a lottery ticket. I don't want to fucking bet it. I, my money's mine. I'm not giving it to anybody. Yeah, I might make some money, but I, I'm not. I'm not too interested in losing my own fucking money. Uh. But yeah, you know, again, don't know a whole lot about either of these fighters. Jason Wood's got a cool nickname. He's the Vanilla Gorilla, although he's not the true Vanilla Gorilla, which of course is Joel Prisbilla. Uh, shout out to uh, Minnesota there. Uh, I do remember his last performance uh, against Cole Williams uh, back on the Halloween card that was headlined by uh, Uriah Hall and Anderson Silva. What a fucking terrible main event that was. Uh, that, if, if I remember that fight correctly, that was very, very bloody. That was a good performance by Jason Witt. Did not have a good UFC debut because he got knocked out in 48 seconds by Takashi Sato. Uh, but he, he really turned it on Cole Williams. So uh, we've seen a, a tremendous performance from Witt. We've seen a real bad one. This is a guy with a lot of experience. 
uh, for someone uh, at, at this stage in his career making it to the UFC. <clears throat> so, you know, I'm sure he's picked up a thing or two on the job. And uh, Semmelsberger, he made his debut against the Alaskan guy. What's his name? Uh, Carlton Minus. And that was one of the. That was a pretty boring fight. I honestly don't remember a lot about it. Uh, I remember it was a bad performance by Minus, but uh, I kind of tuned that one out. So, um, you know, essentially a pick'em here. I'm, I'm gonna go with Jason Witt. I, I just like, you know, at least I've seen something from Jason Witt. At least I've seen something good from Jason Witt. Uh, didn't really see anything from Samuelsberger. All right, moving on here. We have a strawweight fight between Jin Yu Frey. And Gloria DePaula. DePaula is going to be the minus 190 favorite. A um, little bit of an interesting fight here, most notably because Jin Yufre was champ over in Invicta. Uh, DePaula, making her UFC debut, came off the contender series. Do not remember that fight at all against Pauline Macias. Uh, I, I really don't pay attention to female fights on the contender series because a, lo- a lot of those fighters just tend to flame out. Uh, obviously, there, there are some, some good ones that last, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't really pay attention because a lot of the times it's just 3-0 fighters versus 2-1 fighters. Uh, you know what I mean? That, that, that kind of was a thing just in general and not to make it uh, gender specific because uh, I'm thinking of... Uh, like, they had that one... Um, contender series card that was headlined by two dudes and they were both like younger there one was like uh 27 and one was like 22 uh like dennis bazooka or whatever and like one of them's four and two and one of them's four and one or no three and one and it's like okay even if they win they're not going to get signed by the ufc because they have no fucking experience like how many fighters who are three and zero go to the ufc and have success look at look at jacob malcoon look at that fucking uh, jabroni uh, last week um Olberg. like ah there's no substitute for experience yeah some people might have quicker learning curves but uh you know no substitute for experience kind of a little uh, tangent there but yeah like i said really only interesting because jinyu frey she did have some hype around her because she was a uh, champ kind of backed her way into the ufc making her uh, debut against Kay hansen uh, never good when you lose to a 20-year-old and then lost to Luma Luk- uh, Bunmi, uh, who also doesn't have a whole lot of UFC experience or MMA experience uh, in, in general. I think she has a lot of uh, Muay Thai fights or whatever. But, um, you know, lost three of her last four here. Don't know anything about either of these two fighters besides uh, surface-level stuff here. But I- I'm going to go with Gloria DePaula. At least she seems like she's trending up. Jin Frey, uh, definitely trending down. And as 35, so... You know, 35 at 115 pounds. You know, that's that's not not a whole lot of fighters who are doing things at that age at that weight. All right, moving on here, we have uh, actually a pretty interesting uh, female flyweight fight here between Courtney Casey and JJ Aldrich. Casey is nine and eight. Aldrich eight and four. We'll look at the odds here. They'll have Aldrich as the minus 155 favorite. I'd have to disagree with that. Um, Aldrich, very, very young fighter when she came into the UFC. She's 28 now. Um, I'm, su- I'm surprised she's at flyweight. She she's definitely seems like a strawweight, uh, real, real skinny uh, character. Got knocked out by Macy Barber. That might have been ba- Macy Barber's debut, uh, come to think of it. 
Um, but, you know, has a nice win over Danielle Taylor, Pollyanna Viana, which that win is looking even better as, as time's going on here. But split decision lost in her last fight to Sabina Mazo back at UFC 246. We saw how Mazo got fucking just handled by Alexis Davis, who was on, uh, I think Davis was on a 17 fight losing streak. So, uh, but, you know, MMA math doesn't always work out here. But, um, you know, I, I do like Courtney Casey. I think she's a tough fighter, uh, a long fighter, lanky fighter, five foot seven, uh, 67 inches doesn't sound like a lot for reach, but I, I feel for I feel for 125. And she's had some fights at straw weight too, so I feel like that's a pretty good reach. I, I really like her striking. Now her ground game is just fucking atrocious. It's real bad, and she has a nasty habit of losing decisions, especially split decisions. Um, but she's not she's not fighting someone in the top 15. She's not fighting a title contender here in JJ Aldrich. You know she has had a hand you know more than a handful of wins in the UFC. She will get wins in the UFC. And, um, you know, again, it's just kind of that classic case of a fighter who will lose fights to, you know, fighters ahead of her in the rankings, but she'll win fights against them uh, who are who are below her. I, I, I feel like, and again, I'm not trying to talk her up like a title contender or anything or that she's the next fucking superstar. But I feel like I'm I'm disproportionately high on Courtney Casey for the level that she's at. I you know I I think she's a fine UFC veteran, and uh, yeah I would I would disagree. I think that she should probably be the favorite, and I, I think she'll probably get it done, um, probably by decision, probably probably by a decision. Although she does she has had a couple of armbar wins in the UFC, so you know for for her ground game maybe it's more accurate to say well her ground game is not fucking great by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but maybe it's better to say her, she's really bad at stopping takedowns, but, but she is, she can be dangerous on the ground. So, uh, I, I like Courtney Casey in this one. All right, moving on here. We have a, another prelim bout here in the lightweight division. Nasrat Hackparast takes on, uh, I'm going to say Hafa Garcia, Rafa Garcia, I, I guess Hafa Garcia. Uh, Hack Parast is 12 and 3. Garcia is 12 and 0. That was actually a late replacement fight because uh, Nasrat was supposed to fight. Where was it here? Don Mage. Don Mage. Which is uh, that sounds like a that sounds like a real 1940s name. Don Mage sounds like he plays right field for the Yankees back in the 40s. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely going. Uh, oh, excuse me. The the uh, odds here are just astronomically in the favor of Nasrat. Uh, he's the minus 400 favorite, and I think that's accurate. I think even if you give Hafa Garcia a full camp, I don't know anything about him, but I do know uh, a little bit about uh, Hack Parast. I think he is a, a very legitimate fighter. Uh, only 25. I, I think uh, you know there, there's a handful of guys like this at, in the lightweight division, and uh, y- you know I think. I think if he was in any other division, this guy probably is in the rankings already. Maybe not super high, but, you know, lightweight, it would be better to rank lightweights, you know, not just 1 through 15, but 1 through 25. It's such a deep division, and you just have these guys like, uh, I mean, look at Islam Makachev, who's having such a tough time climbing up the rankings. Like, uh, you know, Armand Sarukian, like, that dude is a fucking, I picked that guy to be a, a fucking future champ. Like, you know what I mean? But it's just so, like, Atman Azaitar. Like, there's a lot of these, like, really, really, 
I don't want to go too far and say blue chip prospects, but like really high level prospects that are just kind of lost in the in, in the shuffle at uh, 155. Not that they'll be lost there forever. It's just you know you, it might take a little longer to try to climb up the uh, the old uh, ladder there. And he did get knocked out by Drew Dober. That you know that definitely was a vibe check there by the UFC. And obviously we know the the run that Dober has been on. I think that might have kickstarted his. Uh, his run up and then you know obviously he lost last week to islam but uh no i, I think nasrat's a, a a good fighter and uh, i think he probably wins this one by a unanimous decision all right we're moving on here we have a bantamweight prelim fight between hani yaya and ray rodriguez yaya is 26 10 and 1 uh, and uh, Rodriguez is 16 and 7. Uh, let's see here. Yaha. God, that's an interesting name. I might have just totally Brendan Schaub did a minute ago. Uh, but he is the uh, minus 300 favorite in this one. That is, uh, that's that's pretty big. Rodriguez, uh, not a pretty record. 16 and 7. Not uh, not very good. And uh, he is he is 33. He made his UFC debut. Back in September against uh, Brian Kelleher, got choked out in 39 seconds. So, you know, didn't really get to see the, the full repertoire from Ray Rodriguez. Um, he, he, interestingly enough, he was uh, supposed to fight Irwin Rivera. And uh, obviously, uh, Irwin, uh, you know, might have done some stuff. Some some people did some things. And, uh, yeah, you know, you can Google the, you can Google the rest with Irwin Rivera. But... Uh, yeah, he's here facing uh, Yaya. Ya, ya. Uh, 36 at bantamweight, that is, that is a little bit older, but, you know, like I said, Ray Rodriguez is not a, a spring chicken either. Went to a majority decision draw in his last fight against Enrique Barzola. Uh, he has been in the UFC for a while, and he has faced nobody. It's actually really interesting. He's been in the UFC since 2013 oh holy smokes never mind i gotta scroll down he's been in the ufc since 2011 and he has fought just pretty much nobody uh and beat nobody uh he has a win over mike brown who's the one of those coaches over at att he was the champ in the wec he lost to chad mendez but then he's got a lot of wins but just against people you've never heard of Grisby, Hirota, Clopton, Clopton, Bedford, Kanehara, Matthew Lopez, Michiniro, Tanaka, Henry Briones, Russell Doan, and Luke Sanders. I mean, wow, it's actually crazy how he's never, like, progressed at all. He's just stayed at, like, the bottom third of the division. And I don't know, I guess he's just made it this far. But he has a habit of beating people you've never heard of, and I've never heard of Ray Rodriguez, so I guess by that logic, he's, he's going to win. All right, moving on here to a, another prelim fight here. It's in the featherweight division between Charles Ayer Jordan and Marcelo Rojo. Jordan is 10-3-1, Rojo 16-6. Jordan is the minus 260 favorite. Um, I'm going to pick Charles Jordan. Uh, I don't think it's wishful thinking. I, I've honestly never heard of Rojo, uh, so let's let's see what it says about Rojo here. Uh, it's a cool, it's a cool nickname, cool name just in general. 
32, 5 foot 8. He is from Argentina. So maybe he's the next Argentinian superstar. Maybe he's who we thought uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio was. Uh, he lost to John Castaneda in Combache, who is the sexy Mexi, who's from Minnesota. So that's fucking cool. Um, also, Combache, I don't. I don't know if I said this on the show. I don't think I've been on since this happened, but we North Star Sports got followed by Campbell McLaren on Twitter, who was one of the co-founders of the UFC, who I th- think is like the president of Kombache, or he, at least in some capacity, some high-level capacity, he runs Kombache. Um, so that's fucking cool. I have no idea how he found North Star Sports. That'd be crazy to think that he's... Uh, a listener i'd say that's pretty unlikely but uh he only follows like a th- like a thousand people so it's not you know because like sometimes like ah oh, if drew was here he would know the hockey player but like what was it like boy chuck or whatever who was like the nhl player who followed like 1.3 million people on twitter or whatever like just follow for follow i don't know how he did it like maybe like had a bot or something um, so it's it's not like one of those type of situations where like because like I've been followed by like verified blue check marks before you know what I mean but it's just like some shithead musician you've never heard of with four thousand followers who you know is just doing a, a follow for follow or like you know whatever but like no I I don't know if he still follows if it was just a one time thing but that's fucking insane. So if he is listening and he wants to come on the show, then we'll be we'll be glad to have him. But I I, I don't think he listens. But you know, pretty cool either way. Uh, yeah. But getting back to this, I was super super high on uh, Charles Jordan when he came to the UFC, and he's he's had a, a rough stretch here. So uh, in his UFC debut, it was I want to say it was short notice. He took on Des Green and he lost that one by unanimous decision. Came back and knocked out Duho Choi, who. Is that the right guy I'm thinking of? Yeah, Duho Choi is a fucking knockout master, and he and he's really fallen off from what you know what he was. I was gonna say a few years ago, but honestly, like seven years ago, even though he's still probably like 29. Uh, lost a split decision to Andre Feely. That's a very 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 tough fight for your third fight in the UFC, especially considering you're not you know it's not like he was undefeated at that, at that time, and then had a weird split decision draw against Joshua Kulabau. So, one, two, and one in his first four fights in the UFC. Uh, he was just finishing motherfuckers left and right uh, up over in uh, TKO, I, I believe up in Canada. And, uh, I don't know, I hope he figures it out. He, he's still only 25, uh, which is crazy. He trains up there. Uh, oh, never mind. He trains, he's from Montreal, but he doesn't train at TriStar, so excuse me. Um, but I just love his striking. He's so light on his feet. Uh, I, I think he's a really good striker. I don't, like. I don't really. I don't really know. You know. I've been. I've been paying attention to his career uh, a little bit. But I, yeah, maybe I should uh, take a closer look, do a deeper dive. I'll, I'll come back on the recap show or something and, and figure it out. Because. Because I don't know. There's nothing glaring to me why he's been losing uh, the these fights. I, I think he's a really talented fighter. But it's just, you know shit I don't know I mean you he can't afford to lose to Rojo and he's and he's and he's favored and, and he'll probably win but it's like man if you're if you're one two and one and we're in the COVID times and people just get cut for no fucking reason and you know they're signing all these guys from the contender series and we're about to have the ultimate fighter and we're about to have the contender series start up in a couple of months or whatever like 
UFC is going to be adding some more young talent. I mean, you know, you'd, you'd never... I don't know, man. You never... You might think that your your job is secure, but, man, you, you really never know, man. You really never know. And, you know, especially... I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just, you know, but just pointing it out there. You know, especially if the UFC doesn't like you. I mean, they cut Elias Theodoru when he was, like, the number 14 fucking middleweight, and he was, like, 6-1 and one in the UFC, and they cut him after his first loss because I guess I just fucking hated him personally or I don't know probably hated his fight style I mean you know his fight style was pretty fucking boring but I mean you can't really say somebody's fight style you could say it's boring but like okay isn't the object of the fucking fight to win the fight and dude was winning fights so I don't know point being can't can't afford to lose this one but I I think he'll get it done I don't know anything about Rojo but uh, I think Jordan is a perfectly capable fighter All right, we're moving on here to the prelim headliner. It's going to be a strawweight fight between Angela Hill and Ashley Yoder. Hill is 12 and 9, Yoder is 8 and 6. Hill is the minus 380 favorite. Uh, can't really say I disagree too much with that. Um, let's see, I think we still have Angela Hill ranked. Oh, we definitely have her ranked if it's strawweight because all the fighters who have, who have left. So we have her at 13 at strawweight. Obviously, Yoder's not ranked. Uh, this is a rematch. This is a rematch from uh, a few years ago. Um, you know, a lot of people are high on Angela Hill. A lot of people are big Angela Hill fans. I am not. I am not a fan of Angela Hill. I find her annoying, and I, I really don't think that she's uh, as good of a fighter as people profess. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying she's a, a, a bad fighter, but... Uh, I kind of am, or, or, you know, at least, I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't want to be negative, but uh, she's on a two-fight losing streak, a lot of people said she beat Claudia Gedalia, a lot of people said she beat Michelle Watterson, absolutely not, she definitely lost both of those fights, I don't understand the quote-unquote controversy, uh, you know, with those, and she had that three-fight winning streak where she was just, uh, had three wins in five months or whatever, yeah, they were against nobodies. Ariane Condolosi, nobody's ever heard of her. Hannah Cyphers, for my money, the worst UFC fighter to ever step into the octagon in the modern era. And then Luma Lukbunmi, who's a child who was 4-1 at the time. So, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, well, I, I, I could have Artem Lobov go on a three-fight winning streak if I made him fight, uh, you know, people with one arm and, and no legs who are 70 like yeah i could you know what i mean like i could do that against ranked fighters like i could okay i don't know i don't want to be a dick but you know uh definitely uh, not doing so hot in the ufc one two three four five six seven seven losses in her last 12 appearances and again i just went over the wins she had they're not anything uh you know, super, super impressive. Now, she beat Yoder back in July of 2017. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think Hill should be the favorite. I'm probably going to pick her to win this fight. You know what? I'll just come out and say, I, I want to pick Hill to win this fight, but I think it's closer than people will think. Um, I, I liked Yoder's last performance against Miranda Granger. Um, again, she's been stacking up the L's. Uh, that's, that's definitely another... I mean, good God, what is that? Six losses in her last 10 fights. Uh, and again, against 
super low-level competition. Like, I can't... It's not like she was facing top five opponents. She was facing people who uh, were not ranked. Uh, But, you know, that's just the state of some of these divisions. I don't want to get into which divisions they are, but that's the state of some of these these divisions. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, men's flyweight. You know what I mean? Lest you think uh, whatever, but... You know what I mean? That's the state of some of these divisions. You know what I mean? You just kind of keep people around. Jordan Espinosa. You know, a lot of people who go on losing streaks that they just kind of keep around. Although I think he just got cut like yesterday, so uh, maybe maybe there is some accountability. But um, you know, I, I think I think Yoder's an interesting fighter. She's a long fighter. Uh, she's she's interesting when she rolls and scrambles on the ground just just due to her length. I thought her striking had improved a little bit in, in, in the Granger fight, so I don't know, you know, whatever, there's some things to like there for Ashley Yoder, I think that she's kind of a, a weird, kind of wonky uh, fighter, so, you know, that might play in her favor, but, um, you know, she lost, so, I mean, I don't know, maybe Angela Hill has her downloaded uh, already, and, you know, at, at the same time, it's there, there has been some time in between their their first fight, but it wasn't. You know, it's not like they fought back in 2012 or something. I mean, it's it's less than four years ago. Now they've both been they both been pretty active. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I don't I don't see a finish in this fight uh, from either side. Goes to a decision. If you leave it up to a decision, as I'm sure both of these fighters have found out through their uh, many UFC fights, you can get fucked over if you leave it uh, to to a judge's decision. But. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Yoder won, but I think Hill probably gets it done. And then people talk about how great of a performance she had. You know, even though uh, I bet you it won't be super good. But, you know, I've been wrong before. Alrighty, we're going to move on here to the prelim, excuse me, the main card opener. And it's going to be in the middleweight division between Eric Anders and Darren Stewart. Anders is 13 and 5. Stewart is 12 and 6. Uh, Darren Stewart's going to be the minus 185 favorite. Um, yeah, I gotta say, Eric Anders is—he's one of my favorite fighters. Who maybe some fans wouldn't know. Like I'm not—I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not trying to make it seem like he's a diamond in the rough here, in the rough here. But uh, I like you, boy. I, I like you, boy. I think he fights very interesting. I also saw him in, in person. I saw him knock the fucking piss out of Vinicius Mejeda. Um, and and this is a guy you got to have a little bit... You know, he's a fucking grown man, but you got to have some sympathy for him with some of the matchmaking that they've uh, they've had with him. I mean, some of these some of the matchmaking here is just fucking brutal. So he's not... He's 10-0. He's 10-0 going into 2018. He gets put on, I want to say that was short notice, a short notice fight against Lyoto Machida and loses a split decision to Machida. You know what, fuck it, I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up the, the trusty dusty handy dandy MMA decisions here because I, I, I want to see what people say about uh, this fight because I, I remember it happening, I remember watching it, but uh, I don't... I don't know. Maybe maybe the the mandate of the masses uh, makes it a little uh, interesting. Um, I don't know who they think I mean by uh, Anders, other than Eric Anders. But uh, you know, that's the beauty of using DuckDuckGo. You know, supposedly it's it's supposed to be good for you, but uh, you know what I mean. Sometimes the uh, the old uh, search bar is not your friend. It it really doesn't pull up what you're looking for. 
Um, holy fucking smokes, a lot of people thought Anders won that fight. Okay, so one person had it 49-46 Machida. Probably 5-6 had it 48-47 Machida. Uh, 15 had it 48-47 Anders, and one person had it 49-46 Anders. The guy who had it 49-46 Anders is Gabriel Carvalho uh, from MMABrazil.com. So, I mean, that's it's pretty interesting. I don't want to accuse, you know, Brazil Brazilian media members of being biased, but, you know what I mean, when a, when a Brazilian person says, you know, an American won a fight against a, a Brazilian, you know that there there's no agenda there. So, uh, so that's interesting. He goes on to have one of... I think one of the underrated knockouts in UFC history, uh, it's it's basically as close to a soccer kick as we'll ever get in the UFC. He had, so basically a soccer kick, technically a head kick knockout of Tim Williams, uh, where Williams was a grounded opponent, was a grounded opponent. Uh, Anders gave him some space. Williams goes to step up. His, his knees are an inch and a half from touching the floor as he's standing up and just gets cracked in the fucking head. Basically a soccer kick. And uh, I think I think in one of the interviews afterwards, uh, Anders said that he had uh, teeth marks on his leg because he kicked him so fucking hard. One of, one of the more brutal knockouts that you'll, you'll ever see that maybe a lot of people don't know about. So, you know, do a quick little YouTube search for that. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you 10 seconds right now uh, to, you know, Go out there, pause the show. It is a podcast. You can just pause it at any time. Go out and watch that one. Awesome. Uh, then he went on to fight Santos, Theodoru, and Roundtree. Loses all three of those fights. Then the aforementioned Maheda knockout. Split decision win over Mearshart. And then a loss to Christoph Jotko. So, you know, he's racking up the red. You know what I mean? He's got a lot of losses on his record recently. But I, th- I, th- I think at times he's had a little uh, unfair matchmaking. I think he is a good fighter. And uh, I think he gets it done here, although uh, the, the interesting thing that would give me a little trepidation for picking uh, uh, for, for picking Eric Anders is Darren Stewart's performance against Kevin Holland. You know, I can't quite figure that one out. So his last fight was a split decision loss to Kevin Holland. But, you know, that's interesting. Kevin Holland is a monster. I, I, I don't know if that's more on Stewart fighting well or if that's more on Kevin Holland just kind of having uh, uh, a bad performance, but, uh, you know, Stewart is a veteran, uh, he has been in the UFC for a while, again, uh, sub-500 record in, in the UFC, uh, good power, don't really see it a whole lot, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go with Anders on this one, and I guess by decision, I mean, they both have the power to finish a fight, but I'm gonna say it goes to a decision, All right, moving on here, we have a flyweight fight between Matthias Nicolau and Manel Kopp. Let me see here. Uh, We'll take a look at the odds here. They're going to have Manel Kopp as the minus 140 favorite. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping we get the true Kopp in this one because we saw him make his debut, I think, a little more than a month ago against Alexandre Pantoja. Uh, who was, in fairness, was the number three flyweight. And he looked really good. He just didn't have the activity. I thought he I thought he very, 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 very easily could have won the fight, but just he was just frustratingly inactive. 
I love everything about the guy. I just need I just need to go to his sliders and just tune up his activity. Probably he was at about a two out of a ten. Uh, I, I needed I, I just needed at a five. I needed at a five. You know, so a, a, a sizable uh, tuning. But you know, I, I don't need him to be you know Robbie Lawler. But you know, I love his movement. He's so light on his feet, uh, I, and I love the taunting. Uh, he, he's very hard to hit. I think his defense is is really good. It's just uh, you know he, he's very very inactive. And Nicolau, uh, he is making his return to the UFC. Uh, he's only 28 years old, uh, but yeah, he's making his his return. Uh, went two and zero outside of the organization. Uh, you know, apparently, uh, you know, he was a, a pretty decent prospect at uh, at one point. So uh, he he was in the UFC a little bit before my time of giving a shit. So I don't have any you know fond memories of uh, of him him doing anything. But you know, re- really, it's for Cop. I think Cop is a is a future uh, title challenger, and and by future, I mean in the next six months because it doesn't take that long to climb up the the uh, the UFC rankings. Uh, let's see what I have here in the old notebook for Cop. So he's content with circling and being on his back foot. Uh, lots of little movement. He's always reading and reacting uh, to, to what his opponent is doing. Uh, he's okay moving back, and we saw him moving back a lot. But th- there were a few times in that fight where he pressed forward. Uh, a little bit later, I think probably when he knew that he was, uh, you know down in the fight or maybe he didn't he, he seemed pretty surprised that he lost the fight um but he, he's actually pretty good when he's when he's kind of pressing the the issue with his opponent so you know I'd, I'd like to see him there's nothing wrong with circling and moving backwards although that doesn't look good for the judges even though that i think that is unfair i mean you know i guess i guess technically octagon control is uh, a criteria for scoring although it is the last criteria for scoring um I don't really look at octagon control that much, to be honest with you. I, I just kind of look at who gets hit more, uh, as as I think most people and most judges do. And um, I don't know. I I just want to see if we we get the superstar that he was over over in Japan. I, I really I really do think he is a special fighter. It's just I don't know. You got to fine tune him a little bit. But I, I think he wins this one, and. I think he knocks him out. I think he knocks him out. I actually think, you know, the inactivity, uh, he was conserving energy. I mean, he, you know, I don't think cardio is a problem with him, and especially at flyweight. I think he would be optimally suited for a five-round fight. This is going to be a three-round fight, but I, I do think he knocks him out. I think he'll, he'll probably, uh, um, you know, fix some of the mistakes that he had in his last fight, notably the, the inactivity and... Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's a convincing, a convincing victory. Alrighty, here we're gonna move on to the bantamweight division. We'll have a fight between Jonathan Martinez and Davy Grant. Martinez 13 and three, Grant 10 and four. Uh, we'll look at the odds here. They're gonna have Martinez as the minus 325 favorite. Um, these these are just some of the filler fights that you end up having when uh, you have fight nights. I have no idea why this is on the main card, and Hill and Yoder is not on the main card, or Hack Parast and Garcia. You know, I I don't really know 
the, uh, the, the old formula for card placement. Uh, not really looking forward to this fight too much. Uh, I, I think Martinez is interesting. Uh, he is notable be- because he got fucked over uh, back at UFC 247, the, the card that was headlined by Jones and Reyes. Uh, he beat Andre Ewell 30-27, uh, except for on the, the judges' scorecards where he lost a split decision. So, really, he should be on a five-fight winning streak, 5-1 and one in the UFC, but he's only on a two-fight winning streak because of some rock-smoking judges. Um, but he had, a, he had a good performance against, against Frankie Sines. I remember him just taking it to him. Now, now Sines was, was pretty old in that fight and definitely did not look like he had it, but that was just assault. That, that was just straight-up assault by Martinez on Sines. And then, and then a good win over a, a name that a lot of people forget in Thomas Almeida, who was hot shit until he ran into Cody Garbrandt. So, I don't know. I guess David Grant is a step up in competition. Not, not really. Uh, you know, I think, I think you could start to see Martinez climb the ladder if he can get past Grant. Uh, Grant is 35. I don't know why he's still in the UFC or what he, you know, kind of what he's going for. But uh, he did have a hellacious knockout of Martin Day in his last outing back at UFC 251. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I know about him, but that was one hell of a... And that was actually the first fight of the night. So, I mean, that's how you knew that was going to be a f- fucking amazing pay-per-view because uh, he floored him. He floored him pretty even up until that point, but, uh, you know, he, he got the, the finishing shot there. So, yeah, I, I guess you got to watch out for David Grant's power, but I think Martinez is, is the better fighter. Uh, pretty active... Uh, you know, kind of a lanky guy, not really, but uh, I'm going to pick Martinez to win by decision. All right, we're moving on here to the featured bout between Dan Ige and Gavin Tucker in the featherweight division. Ige is 14-3, and three, Tucker is 13-1. and one. Take a look here at the odds. They're going to have Dan Ige as the minus 155 favorite. Uh, Dan Ige, one of my favorite fighters in, in the featherweight division. I'm a big fan of Dan Ige. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start from I think Ige is going to win the fight. Uh, I, I think uh, he, he has some characteristics that I think are pretty special. Uh, his toughness, I think, is, uh, is top-notch. I think that's a very, very tough fighter. Uh, I think it's a guy who, uh, you know, he'll just, he'll just swing. He'll just fucking swing. Uh, he'll stand in the pocket and, hit, and he'll swing. Uh, and, uh, you know, w- w- when I say this, I mean it, and it sounds kind of silly because we're talking about cage fighters here, but I mean this even within kind of the paradigm of uh, cage fighting. He, he's a very brave fighter, and, and that's something that kind of s- stands out to me. And again, obviously it takes a lot of bravery to step into a fucking cage with uh, another human being trying to murder you. But uh, I, I think Ige's a, a brave fighter. Uh, it is interesting. You know, I heard him in his uh, pre-fight interviews talk about how he's very excited to fight someone who is uh, the same size as him. Normally, he's the smaller guy. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of tall, lanky guys at 145, and not a lot of like stout Dan Ige's. You know, there's no. It, it doesn't feel like there's any more like Chad Mendez's at 145. You know, who are just like five foot six and just built like a. You fucking brick wall. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I, I like Ige. I do think there are some shortcomings with Ige, and, and you know, we, we saw that in the Calvin Cater fight. Uh, he can get hit a lot. He is susceptible uh, to getting hit, but... Uh, you know, I, I think I think he th- there is some special qualities to him. I, I, I do like his striking. He does have to get in on opponents, but uh, Gavin Tucker not exactly uh, uh, a, a huge fighter. I mean, he's five foot six, so you know, <laughs> I mean, Ige is going to have the the height and a four inch reach advantage on him. So that'll be kind of interesting. He, he has to get in on fighters. He has to get into the pocket. But with this, I don't. You know that'll be interesting. I, I I don't I don't know. I don't know how he'll fight. So I'm curious to see if he'll try to just go into the pocket and get in close because that's typically how he fights, or if he'll fight a little more at range. But I'm I'm very interested to see um, how that how that plays out. Uh, and then uh, well, he's also a black belt and fucking I think uh, jujitsu and judo. So yeah, you know I think he probably could hold his own on the ground. Uh, and then Gavin Tucker, kind of a guy that we completely forgot about. I mean, he had that uh, pretty long layoff after the uh, the loss to uh, Rick Glenn, the only loss in his career. And since coming back, he's on a three-fight winning streak. Two of those were finishes by rear naked choke uh, over uh, Sung Woo Choi, Justin Janes, and Billy Quarantillo. So, you know, he's kind of been building up towards this fight. Definitely the toughest fight of his career, even more so than the Rick Glenn fight. But, you know... There's a lot at stake here because for as big of fans uh, of Dan Ige as we are, I don't even think we have him as highly ranked as the UFC does. They have him at number nine. Uh, okay, we have him at number 10. But this is huge. I mean, there's a lot of fighters who are struggling to climb up the 145 rankings. And with a win, Gavin Tucker can be right on the doorstep of the top 10. Well, I mean, fuck it. In the UFC's case, if, if they just decide I'm to take uh, Ige's spot he's already in the top 10 which is fucking insane I mean think about Ryan Hall who we have at number 12 that dude can't get a fight to save his life nobody wants to fight him uh Bryce Mitchell we have at 13 and he's on a you know seven fight or I guess he's undefeated but in the UFC like he's on a pretty big winning streak Sadiq Youssef uh Arnold Allen's on like a six fight UFC winning streak so it's like there's a lot of this is a very young division, and there's a lot of young fighters trying to climb up the rankings, particularly 10 to 15. And, uh, you know, if you can just pass all those people, like, man, this is a pretty, you know, Arnold Allen wishes he could fight a Dan Ige. Nobody wants to fight Arnold Allen. He just keeps fighting guys who are not ranked. And it's not his fault. A lot of the times it's because, you know, the fight falls out, but it's like, you know, shit, you can't take anything for granted. And, you know, it, it could be very similar to the fight we saw last week with uh, Kyler Phillips, where he beats Song Yudong, and now we have him at number 12. So, you know, you go from unranked, a guy who really had fought nobody in the UFC, to a guy who's uh, two spots behind Dominic Cruz. So, you know, it's, you know, sometimes the UFC is not fair. Sometimes, you know, fighting's not fair. You know what I mean? Your opponent falls out and. You know, you get to fight somebody with a, a, a small number next to their name, and you get to jump over some people, and that's, you know, that, that, that's the kind of stakes we have here with Gavin Tucker. So you got to figure you're going to see the best Gavin Tucker we've seen uh, ever. And, you know, he is 34, so he doesn't have a whole lot of time to fuck around here, but this could be a nice little boost to him. But, again, like I said, when I think when I think it's all said and done, I think Ige gets it, gets it done by uh, decision. Uh, definitely going to be a tough fight for Tucker. Going to have a lot of bruises. 
A lot, a lot of ruses, but I think Ige gets it done. Alrighty, moving on here to the co-main event. We're going to have a light heavyweight fight between Misha Serkinov and Ryan Spann. Serkinov is 15-5, Spann is 18-6. Take a look here at the odds. They're going to have Serkinov as the minus-135 favorite. Uh, let us see here. Yeah, okay, so then going back to the rankings here, we are going to have... Serkinov at 11 and Span at 13 so pretty good matchmaking uh, I, I I like that makes sense like we talked about a couple of fights ago after the Ankalaya fight uh, light, the light heavyweight division is kind of getting stratified in the middle of, of the division you know between uh, Ankalaev beat Krilov and he's ahead of Krilov and Krilov beat Walker and Krilov is ahead of Walker and Walker beat Serkinov, so Walker's ahead of Serkinov, and, and Serkinov beat Krut, so he's ahead of Krut, and it's, it's kind of crazy how, like, ah, everybody is in the 100% correct order, so uh, I like the matchmaking here, uh, grappler versus grappler here, although, uh, you know, Ryan Spann does have some good striking, obviously going to have a pretty long reach advantage, tall fighter at 6'5", we did see Serkinov struggle against Johnny Walker, who's a taller fighter, but I would probably attribute that more to Johnny Walker's fucking craziness uh, and, and just, uh, you know, erraticness. Uh, obviously caught him very early in that fight with a flying knee. Um, let's see here. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think I think this is a, a pretty underrated co-main event. I was a little surprised to see it was the co-main event, but obviously rankings-wise... Uh, it, it would make sense, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any super hot sports takes uh, about Misha Serkinov. His significant strikes uh, are, are, are pretty good. The differential is pretty good, 4.1 to 2.8. Ryan Span kind of just trades. You know, you, you see that in, in some of his fights uh, where he'll just sit there and, and trade punches. The the fight with Sam Alvey, which went to a split decision, uh, you know, he'll just uh, he'll just kind of trade. He'll just kind of trade. Uh, but, you know, did lose his last fight to Johnny Walker, uh, kind of ending that uh, terrible, terrible streak for uh, for Johnny Walker, uh, even though it was a two-fight streak, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, remember, remember when we were talking about Johnny Walker fighting John Jones back in fucking early 2019? I mean, I don't know how far we've come, how far we've come. Um, but I, I really struggle with this one. I think that this is probably the uh, toughest fight for me to pick I want to pick Span just because he's younger um but I don't know I think I think Serkinov might be the better grappler I mean he caught Jimmy Crute and uh I don't know I guess when I say that it's it sounds like uh it was a fluke but I don't know I, th I think I think Serkinov is uh uh he, he is a good fighter I think he's he's probably the better grappler and and looking at the striking numbers I mean they definitely would favor Serkinov as well so uh I'm gonna say Serkinov wins by decision i know he, he's very capable of getting a submission but span has uh 11 submission wins in his uh, 18 fights so dangerous guy on the ground as well long and lanky too so that might present some problems if he tries to go for a takedown uh, or, or a submission on, on the ground although circonov is 6-3 but um yeah i don't know you look at you look at the guys who have finished him i don't know all, all pretty all pretty powerful guys, you know, Uzdemir, Teixeira, Walker, uh, all first-round knockouts, so I, I, I don't know. You know, actually, 
Mm, that's tough because these guys don't really go to decisions. Um, ah, fuck me. I guess I'm going to go first round submission for Serkinov, and I know that's that's crazy, and like I said, this is a tough one to pick, but it's just, mm, I don't know. The, I don't think the fight will last too long either way. I mean, I, either Serkinov gets knocked out early or Span gets knocked or choked out early. Something happens, but uh, I, whatever happens, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it favors Serkinov. All right, moving on to the main event of the evening. It's going to be between Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad. Edwards is 18 and 3. Muhammad is 18 and 3. We'll take a look here at the odds shark odds. They're going to have Leon Edwards as the minus 270 favorite. We'll take a look at the North Star Sports uh, rankings. Leon Edwards at number three. Bilal Muhammad at number 12. Um, oh man, I'm so fucking tired. I want to power through though. Uh, th- this is this is going to be a good one. I think it's actually going to be a lot closer than people realize, especially due to the inactivity of Edwards and the activity of Muhammad. You know, a lot of people say ring rust is not a thing, but really the only people who say that are people who win and people who are good fighters like Dominic Cruz. Uh, I I don't think ring rust is real for Dominic Cruz because he's just a fucking legendary fighter. Um, not that Edwards is some fucking schlump, but, you know, I, I don't know. He, he has been off for a while, and, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of the thing about Edwards. Not that it's any greater for Muhammad, but, you know, it's not like Edwards has beaten up, you know, the, the greatest fighters of his generation, you know, uh, He's got a win over Luke. That's a nice one. Win over Cerrone. Okay. Now I don't really, I don't think very highly of of wins over Cowboy Cerrone. You know, the last few years. Split decision win over Gunnar Nelson, and then a win over RDA, a guy who's not a welterweight. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay his his accomplishments here. I think that he he really uh, probably will fight for the title at some point sooner or later. But you know, I'm just saying, let's not look past below Muhammad, especially because the mailman looked into his crystal mailbag and saw a Bilal Muhammad victory. So that is interesting. I mean, what, uh, crystal mailbags don't lie. I don't know if I'm going to go that far and say that Muhammad's going to win. Uh, I want Muhammad to win, but I'm not just going to fall into wishful thinking here. But, you know, I, I, I do think it's interesting. I, I kind of like the uh, the progress that Muhammad has made. Uh, I think he's uh, I think he's a well-rounded fighter. Um He's probably going to look to shoot for some takedowns here. Uh, he uh, He's pretty cool with just trading trading punches. We saw that in the Lyman good fight. Uh, you know, there were some things to like in the Lyman good fight. He, he did un- end up winning it. He did get hurt really fucking bad in that fight. And I don't like that because Edwards can definitely, you know, tune somebody up. So I don't... I, I don't like getting hurt by Lyman Good. I, that that really doesn't feel great for me. But you know his last performance, you know, just literally a month ago, um, it, it was a good one over Lima, and Lima was kind of surging a little bit again. He wasn't facing very good fighters. This is most definitely the toughest fight that he's he's had. Uh, his only two losses. Uh, okay, well he's got three losses in the UFC, but his his only two losses in the last five years. Vincente Luque, very, very tough guy, and Jeff Neal. So, you know, I, I guess it's fitting that he gets his chance here. Uh, and again, kind of like the uh, uh, Gavin Tucker fight, I mean, 
This is a loaded, loaded welterweight division. And Bilal Muhammad, a guy who has had to just climb one spot at a time, going from 15 to 14 and 14 to 13 and 13 to 12, he could blast his fucking way into the top five. And he was talking about how he, you know, he wants a title fight if he wins this fight, or he thinks that he thinks that it's possible. I'm telling you right now, there is no fucking way Bilal Muhammad will get a title fight off of this, off of this. If he beats Leon Edwards, there is no fucking way he gets a title fight. But either way, he's in a fantastic spot, a much better spot than he was in two months ago, and. If, if he wins this fight, yeah, he's probably one win away from a title fight. He, I think he would still have to beat Burns or Covington or Masvidal or, I don't know, even a Thompson or something. I, I still think he'd need another win. I don't think that the UFC is going to push. Listen, the UFC has not been pushing very hard for Bilal Muhammad to move up the rankings. I don't think they're going to be fucking blowing up Mick Maynard's phone to get this guy a, a title fight, although... You know, I am a big, I'm a fan of Bilal Muhammad, so you know, I, I want to see good things happen for the guy. But he, he's got a tough fight upcoming, uh, and um, yeah, man, I don't know. And this one's a tough one to pick too. It's just one one fighter's trending one way, and the other one is not trending at all. I mean, Leon Edwards is not trending at all. He's just kind of, in, you know, he's in purgatory. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, you can see the improvement. I mean, think about how much Bilal Muhammad has improved since the last time we saw Leon Edwards. Since the last time we saw Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad has had three wins. He's had three wins. So, I, I don't know. Uh, during the stare down, I don't know if, if Leon Edwards was wearing high heels, but he looked way fucking taller than Bilal Muhammad even though Edwards is listed at six foot and Muhammad is listed at five foot eleven, I don't buy that for a second. I, it's tough to tell because the camera's zoomed in. But either Leon Edwards is wearing heels or Bilal Muhammad's five foot eight. So I don't, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. But uh, you know, slight reach advantage for Leon Edwards, uh, slight leg reach advantage, which I love seeing. I like when the PFL puts that on their on their graphics. You don't see that with the UFC. Although they keep track of it. Um, oh, man, I guess it's prediction time. Oh, man. My, my, heart, my heart and to some degree, like the logic behind momentum wants me to pick Bilal Muhammad, but I don't know. Fuck me. I still got to pick Leon Edwards. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that guy's a very, very good fighter. It's hard to... It's kind of hard to dock somebody for inactivity, although, you know, that, that really can manifest itself. But, you know, I think Edwards is going to look to put on a statement. Uh, and, and really, you know, I think this will be an intense fight. I'm, I'm glad it's a five-round fight. A lot's at stake for both of these guys. Edwards seems to think he's going to get a title fight. Maybe he was promised that. I wouldn't listen to the UFC at all. And, and, and Muhammad knows that he can climb fucking nine spots in the rankings if he can get it done. So, um Again, like I've been saying, I think it'll be closer than we think, but I think Edwards will win a decision. I'm going to Babe Ruth it and just call my shot. 49-46. I think Edwards win, wins 49-46, and I think there's probably one of the rounds you maybe could give to Muhammad, so maybe some people think it's 48-47. Maybe it's 2-2 going into the fifth round. Who knows? But I, I just got to go with Leon Edwards. I, I think he's yet to meet his equal. I really want to see this guy against a Colby Covington or, or certainly against a Kamaru Usman. Uh, and, and I don't know. I just think 
you know, like Corey Anderson was talking about, I think there are, oh, Jesus Christ. I think there there is levels to this, and I just think that right now, again, with all due respect to Bilal Muhammad and the ability for him to continue to grow and get better and the fact he's only 32, but I, I think there there is levels to it, and I think Leon Edwards is just at a different level right now, and, and I think he'll get it done in the main event. All right, so with that, we're going to wrap it up here. That was our preview of UFC Fight Night, Edwards versus Muhammad. Uh, so with that, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter, North Star M-I-N. Check out our website at northstarsports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.